welcome to day 157 of Shaped by the Word. We're in our third season together. Story of the Prophets. I'm Paul here with David and Matt uh, as we continue to read through the prophet Jeremiah. We come to a chapter 11. We've come actually to a new section uh, in the book of Jeremiah. And uh, the focus has been on the coming judgment, and it'll continue to be there, but the focus is going to be on the covenant uh, you know, throughout the section leading all the way to chapter 29. Where finally the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, to give you a hope in the future. And uh, this section will actually bring us into the promise of the new covenant. But we have a, a few chapters here to go. So we come to chapter 11. There's an interesting Hebrew word that uh, works its way through this chapter nine times. Uh, you have in the Hebrew text the word Shema. Uh, which is the word uh, for listen. And it's the very heart of God's call to the people of Israel. You know, hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And, of course, that was uh, the heart of synagogue worship, you know, in the time of exile and in the time uh, of of return. It's translated in our text uh, in two different ways translated to listen or to hear but it's also translated to obey and that reminds us to, to truly hear god is not to just take his advice and walk away to truly hear god is to submit ourselves to his word because of who he is so we come to uh, jeremiah chapter 11 and as we always do we um we realize we've been given a gift through god's word through god's word we, we call it a means of grace because it is a gift given by his spirit to the church, which his spirit uses uh, to complete his work in us. And we always come in anticipation of God using his word to bring us to completion in Christ, to fan the flame of our affections, not only uh, to shape our worship, but to also shape our discipleship as we enter into the story. So before we read, Matt, you mind lifting us up in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Um, this time in your word together, we thank you that you are a God who continues to shape us um, as we read, as we, we enter into the story of, of redemption. And so, Father, we, we ask that you would um, open our eyes, open our hearts, that we may behold wonderful things from your word, that we may marvel at who you are and, and what you've done in Christ Jesus. Um, Father, we, we confess our, our sin um, to you, knowing that you're faithful and just to forgive us our sin and, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, help us to be a people um, who are quick to, to repentance, quick to receive um, your grace. Uh, and, and, Father, we know that those things only come about through, through your work in us. Um, so do a great work in us as we read, as we continue to meditate and reflect upon um, all that you have for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Jeremiah 11. And this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Listen to the terms of this covenant and tell them to the people of Judah and to those who live in Jerusalem. Tell them that this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Cursed is anyone who does not obey the terms of this covenant, the terms I commend your ancestors when I brought them out of Egypt, out of the iron-smelting furnace. I said, Obey me and do everything I command you, and you will be my people, and I will be your God. Then I will fulfill the oath that I swore to your ancestors to give them a land flowing with milk and honey, the land you possess today. I answered, Amen, Lord. The Lord said to me, Proclaim all these words in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. Listen to the terms of this covenant and follow them. From the time I brought your ancestors up out of Egypt until today, I warned them again and again, saying, Obey me. 
but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil hearts. So I brought them, I brought on them all the curses of the covenant that I commanded them to follow, but they did not keep. Then the Lord said to me, There is a conspiracy among the people of Judah and those who live in Jerusalem. They have returned to the sins of their ancestors who refused to listen to my words. They have followed other gods to serve them. Both Israel and Judah have broken the covenant I made with their ancestors. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'll bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. All they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. The towns of Judah and the people of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they burn incense, but they will not help them at all when disaster strikes. You, Judah, have as many gods as you have towns, and the altars you have set up to burn incense, so that the sameful god of Baal are as many as the streets of Jerusalem. Do not pray for this people or offer any plea or petition for them, because I will not listen when they call to me in the time of their distress. What is my beloved doing in my temple as she, with many others, works out their evil schemes? Can consecrated meat avert their punishment? When you engage in your wickedness, then you rejoice. Lord called you a thriving olive tree with fruit beautiful in form, but with the roar of a mighty storm, he will set it on fire and its branches will be broken. The Lord Almighty who planted you has decreed disaster for you because the people of both Israel and Judah have done evil and aroused my anger by burning incense to Baal. It's sad when you finally get to the point where you know, God says to his prophet, do not pray for them because I will not listen. Uh, there is, you know, a point of no return, you know, that we should be, you know, aware of, you know, as well. That's why the writer of Hebrews said we should turn to him while today is still called today and not harden our hearts. There's always a danger that our hearts will be so hard uh, that we can't respond even in the time uh, we would desperately you know, need to. You know, one of the things that stands out in this passage to me, and, and really almost every time the Lord calls his people to obedience, you know, you get this kind of phrase, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, you know, that it begins with this gracious act of the Lord, this kind of salvation moment where the Lord is the one who's rescued his people. And now, you know, he calls them into obedience. So their obedience isn't what causes God to rescue them or even, you know, what is conditional for them to, to receive his grace. He said, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt. I brought you out of that iron smelting furnace, you know, and so what do I require of you? It's for you to be my people. It, it's really... You know, to obey and to, to live with me, and, and yet time and time again, um, they want God's grace without, you know, without Him, essentially. And and that's a terrifying thing, because we can see that in our own hearts. No, we, we fall in love with the things of God rather than falling in love with the giver, so we make much more, you know, of the gift than, than the giver. And any time we try to possess the gift apart from the giver, uh, the gift itself, you know, will not satisfy. Mm-hmm. It's only, uh, you know, the Creator, you know, that also offers the ultimate satisfaction. So you hear the pattern of listen and obey, and, and when you see the word obey here, it is usually the word Shema, and then you finally turn the corner where the Lord says, they have not listened to me, and now I will not listen to them. Can you walk into the mm-hmm. temple and think that just because you've offered a really cool sacrifice that that's going to be enough, you know, to turn my heart? And uh, you know what uh, what beautiful language he, he uses, even you know, uh, in verse fifteen, you know, of, of my beloved, and is speaking of Israel, you know, in warm languages. But Israel, on the other hand, is engaging you know in wickedness and rejoicing over the wickedness. It's it's not 
even something, you know, Jeremiah's already told us twice, you, you, you've forgotten how to blush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's even worse than that. They're not only not embarrassed by their wickedness, but it, it's kind of a revelry and kind of rejoicing. And he said, you're my beloved, and yet you work out schemes, you offer consecrated meat. You were once a beautiful tree and filled with wonderful fruit, but I will set it ablaze. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Jeremiah points us to something that I know I need time and time again. And, you know, as I talk with people at our church, I hear them saying any time and time again is it's kind of found there in, in, in verse eight. You know, uh, he says to them, obey me, but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubbornness of their evil hearts and, and just that constant need for us to be turning to the word and turning to the Lord so that we can listen and we can pay attention to his word because there's so much in our hearts pulling us away from that. And I know when I don't desire obedience and, and desire and said these other things because my heart's gone away from the Lord and his word. And I need that. I need that grace in my life to bring me back in and even confront my heart, confront my idols and confront my sin and then remind me uh, of what's true. And so we've seen all throughout, the, you know, as, as, we, as, we've, as we've been reading, but the people, they turn from the Lord. They do not listen. They do not pay attention to him. And then we see judgment over and over again. So just a scary pattern. And when I can see my own life often of turning to other things and forgetting to listen to the Lord. Yeah. No, and you hear, you know, you hear the keep, you know, hearing the word of covenant, which is a, a gracious act by which the Lord has bound us, you know, to himself. Uh, there is a scary part to the covenant. If we are bound to the Lord in faithfulness, then, our unfaithfulness, you know, has uh, will always uh, render a price, you know, to be paid, and of course, ultimately, you know, we have as we continue to read through uh, the old covenant that price will be taken by God Himself as He restores His people. There's nothing in them that can repay the debt that they owe or the price of their sin, uh, but there is one who is fully God and who is fully man who will um, bear that penalty on the cross. And, of course, that will be the ultimate, you know, binding of the covenant. As Matt has reminded us, every covenant starts in grace. The covenant of creation starts with a beautiful gift of the garden uh, and a call to simple obedience. You know, the covenant of, of Abraham, you know, with the promise of um, blessing and all the nations of the earth, you know, being blessed through him. And yet there is a call to walk in my ways and to teach generations, you know, after you. Know, after you. So the uh, covenant of Noah is I have I've rescued I mean, of Moses or Sinai as I've rescued you. And now if you'll walk in my ways, I'll be your God. I'll be among you and you'll be my people. And of course, in me, you will flourish. Mm-hmm. And rather than flourish, they've chosen the devastation that comes, mm-hmm. you know, from, you know, from their idolatries. And this is exactly how God has revealed himself you know it's one of the things that that I love as I read the Old Testament New Testament is just hearing God reveal who he is you know that he is a God who you know, is full of steadfast love you know kindness but even at the end verse 17 it gets to the end and he says Lord Almighty who planted you has decreed disaster for you because the people of both Israel and Judah have done evil and aroused my anger by burning incense to Baal I mean he's revealed himself as a jealous God to them and he's jealous for his glory he's jealous for the good of his people and he he sees them turning after you know idols turning away from him and he's revealed himself yeah I'm a God who's 
you know, steadfast. But I'm also a God who's jealous, and I won't overlook the sin oh, yeah. of my people. And, and you know, largely jealous, jealousy, especially in us, is a negative trait. But there is a sense in which we have a pure jealousy for our kids that we want the very yeah. best for them, and we hate anything. You know, that might rob them of the best or the good that we would give them. And, of course, that's the heart of the Father, you know, toward his, uh, toward his people as well. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a God who desires us and a God who desires your glory for us and your very best for us. We thank you for everything you've created us to be. And we thank you for your hatred of those things that we fall in love with uh, that would rob us of your glory and our joy. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.